Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the LaRouge Rugby Podcast, the podcast focusing on Canadian rugby. I'm Shu Hardy, joined as always by Derek Brissett. And Derek, we finally had the MLR final in an Eastern, uh, I would say, city, but uh, New Jersey, is it really New York or? Is that an age-old debate we're going to have until the cows come home? I mean, Harrison, New Jersey is still a city. So I yeah, mean, but an MLR, but is it an MLR city? Or is I, it just... I mean, it all, it all counts. I mean, considering like, it all counts. Of course it counts of uh, an Eastern city. New York is obviously the city. Um, if uh, the Jets, Giants, and uh, they like, they play, they play all play in New Jersey. They still rock New York proudly in their name. Mm. Um, so, I mean, that's... Uh, you know, shout out to the New Jersey Devils, by the way. Being the one team from Jersey that actually represents the, the state proudly, um, that's actually in New Jersey. Um, they stink at hockey right now. But hey, <laughs> at least, at, you know, I mean, they at least uh, at least they, they wear the where they're from proudly. Um, but yeah, no, New York's uh, no fully deserved. And I mean, it's uh, people make fun of it. There's obviously the. Uh, Especially the Free Jack fans really love the New Jersey joke, eh? Like they, yeah, the New Jersey All Blacks, that. yeah, the New Jersey All Blacks, and uh, just the New Jersey jokes in general. They love that, but I mean, oh, speaking another team from New York that calls them that plays in New Jersey is obviously the Red Bulls, yeah, uh, in which um the the uh, the stadium that um they generously uh, gave to uh, rugby uh, New York for the day, and um, man, you know, honestly, um watching the game i don't watch soccer like at all so i don't think i've ever actually watched a game in this venue or whatever and it looks amazing on tv oh yeah but it also uh, i love that it's a gigantic red bull can like (laughs) it's it's just a gigantic red bull advertisement it's like yeah it's it's amazing well, well, if there's one company that knows how to market themselves it's definitely red yeah so like what is like red bull's got like the soccer team, the New York Red Bulls. I think they got like a couple hockey teams in Europe. They got a couple soccer teams actually. They got uh, oh. Red Bull Salzburg. They have, oh, they have RB a, a, Munich. I think they have a hockey team in Salzburg too. Salzburg. Yes, they do. Yeah. I, well, that well, that's the thing. It's an Austrian company, and yeah. Salzburg is near enough the nearest city Red to Bull, Austrian company. Yeah. Oh, I th- did not know that at all. Oh, yeah. All right, you've taught you've taught me something already, Stu. That's what yeah. The- people come for but yeah well, then, well when you used to work for red bull in salzburg you have to learn oh oh it's, oh there you go so also oh, you and like max verstappen were technically co-workers for a bit is that is that how that is that how that works yeah funny enough he can't drive yeah terrible at parking but uh oh otherwise. yeah yeah, there you, yeah exactly always complain when you, you got to take out the little, the little did you get to drive the little like red bull mini coopers that have the uh, no. coming off the top no, that's uh, reserved exclusively for the sales reps and around uh, college campuses and things uh, like that. They don't have so, college campuses in Austria? They do, but, you know, I'm a professional. I'm in my work environment at that point. Anyway, oh. I think we're getting off topic. and We're never off background topic. To and to the MLR final itself. As we mentioned, it was held at the Red Bull Arena in New Jersey where New York were hosting Seattle. And, you know, this was this was a really good game, got to admit. Uh, seems that we were both off with our initial predictions of who's going to score the first uh, tries and the first penalties. And we both said New York, and it ended up both going to Seattle with 
uh, Martin Iosefo scoring the first try within four minutes. You know, classic uh, Seattle making sure that they can get the points on the board as soon as possible when it gets to the championship match. And uh, Alatimu getting the first penalty within the 13 minutes. However, I called that uh, one. Yeah. Well, you did. I, I don't think I did. But at well, uh, Alatimu, because it's Alatimu, obviously. Oh, yeah, of course. So <laughs> that does make sense. Um, but then Will Tucker was able to get the first try for New York uh, four minutes later in the eighth minute. And then from that point onwards, there was a, you know, stalemate, I'd say, um, till about the uh, 24th minute when uh, New York were able to get over the try line. It was brought down illegally and resulted in a penalty try and Rhino Hubs being sent to Simbin for 10 minutes. Um, and then just as he gets uh, back into the game, uh, man, eventual man of the match and now retired player Andy Ellis was able to get over for his try and you know, New York held the lead at half time, and you know, uh, it certainly helped when uh, Mayhew was able to get over for their team's fourth try in the 56th minute. And Emery was not that great from the boot, I gotta say. He's only um, able to score one of the conversions. Of course, the penalty try meant there was no kick needed for that. Uh, and he was able to get a penalty in the 50th minute, but you know, that's two out of five kicks. So, you know, it wasn't great for him, but at the same time, when you're scoring tries, you don't need to be uh, that many worries about uh, getting penalty. And speaking of kicks, if uh, Emery wasn't going to get it, then it was uh, Sam Windsor getting that incredible drop goal in the 73rd minute that practically sealed it for New York. Uh, I would say, though, that when it got to the 60th minute, uh, uh, Mantenga was able to score a try and get Seattle back up to uh, 15 points. And then um, then there was a yellow card to Will Tucker. Yeah, and I don't know about you, Derek, but for me, it was like 15 minutes left to go about, uh, at this point, I think it was like 12 points that uh, Seattle were behind. And I was thinking... Okay, this I, I'm I'm not comfortable with this at all. I think Seattle have it within them to score two converted tries, and they'll be like right back in front, and we could have like another nail biter finish. Uh, and it looked to be going that way because uh, Will's brother Brad, who plays for Seattle, looked as though that he had got himself over the line for a try. However, uh, TMO called it back. And he was um, playing the ball off his feet. So it became a penalty to New York. And really, after that point, uh, Seattle weren't able to capitalize on the man advantage. And yeah, sure enough, um, Sam Windsor was able to get that drop goal whilst they were a man down. And then they were just able to hold it out. Uh, you know, and it ended with. Uh, Andy Ellis disrupting uh, Reed Watkins in the final scrum of the match to cause a knock-on, and then the whistle blow. And finally, the East has a MLR champion in amongst their teams as New York took the win. Uh, New York 30, Seattle 15. So this is obviously New York's first MLR championship, and as I mentioned, the first MLR champions to be in the Eastern Conference. This is also Seattle's first loss ever 
in the MLR postseason. So stretching all the way back to 2018, they are on a six and one record. And that one, unfortunately, came at the worst possible time for them. Derek, what did you make of the game? Well, I think uh, first, I think in a uh, playoff format where it's single elimination, the one is always going to come at a bad time because it's not like hockey or something where you can recover from that one. Um, so there's never a good time, but the finals is especially bad. Um, Seattle, though, obviously um, kind of a fascinating story as uh, we were talking about going into the game, right? Like they're basically playing playing with house money. They've, uh, mm. you know, they've used that house money quite well. Um you know, beating San Diego, beating Houston, and then, you know, to earn their, their way back into the uh, the MLR final, which, you know, kind of seems like almost like a tradition at this point. They just seem to always be there no matter what. Um, it was I thought it was fascinating the way the game started, because obviously um, before the game, like last week and a lot of social media posts talking about it was that the game is being played at 9 a.m. Pacific time, which is obviously quite early um, for probably a lot of the Seattle players. We suggest on the podcast last week, maybe trying to adapt to that a little bit earlier in the week. To my surprise, it was like Seattle was the team that came out guns blazing, right? And um, Iosefo picked up that that opening try to give them the quick 5 nothing lead. Rare miss from Alatimu on the conversion, but... You know, a big lead to start. And then just, I guess, as the game kind of progressed, it just kind of New York just seemed to constantly be gaining a little bit of momentum um, mm. constantly. You know, things just kind of started going going their way. And I mean, it didn't really take long. So obviously the first break that they really got was a few moments later where um, Iosefo himself dropped um, a high dropped a kick and you know that set up um, that set up New York with a you know scrum penalty and then uh, you know eventually Emery had a nice uh, Emery had a nice run um, toward the line off a of scrum and then you know as you said Tucker was able to go in and uh, you know um, pounce on that and uh, was able to finish off that try so it was a lot of uh, so New York kind of found themselves back in or not that they were out of the game, but they found them. They bounced back really quickly from that. And then I feel like from that point on, it was kind of mostly controlled by the game was mostly controlled by New York. Um, there was a lot of stretches played in Seattle's half during this game, a lot of big stretches. And I mean, the seawall is their their famous nickname for their their defense. And, you know, it, it held up well, but I mean, it's. You know, when you have to play in your own half that long, like it's eventually going to break, right? And you know, obviously, it did on a handful of occasions. Penalty tries. Um, that Andy Ellis try was like masterclass from the backs there, um, basically creating a uh, four four uh, four on one situation down the wing, which. I mean, for even the best defenders in rugby are going to struggle with that uh, once Ellis spot, spotted that gap. And I mean, there was probably four New York players within like the five, the five meter hash from the, uh, the touch line on that play. And it's just, it's just choosing who actually gets to score the try at that point. Yeah, um, They did kind of review that though for a couple for forward passes, but I mean, I didn't really see any no. forward passes on that at all, but um and uh, so Ellis obviously got a try, which I mean, it's obviously huge because he's going out on top as an MLR champion, scored a try mm. in the game there um, as well. Right. And uh, obviously you saw some, some touching moments after the games, the boys uh, showed a, 
some appreciation with a haka for him after the game, which is always a very touching thing to see. And so, like, I thought, like, and I thought that New York just kind of kept putting the pressure on. I thought, uh, um, Milner Scudder, I thought was excellent during this game, um, especially just, you know, he seemed to, if Alakimu couldn't find touch, it seemed to just be a very big counterattack from Milner Scudder, um, who kind of took away a lot of Seattle's kicking downfield options, but also some of his own, you know, his own kicks were met with great kick chases, whether that was Ko Nahalo, um, Emery or Milner Scudder himself that were able to, you know, cause a lot of problems. As I already mentioned earlier on that, the first New York try was an Iosefo dropped um, dropped kick when he was under pressure. Um, uh, Milner Scudder had that one awesome play too, where he kicked it and was actually the guy that was on the chase himself and uh, made a huge tackle that caused a knock on. Um, so it was like everything just kind of seemed to be going right for New York. Just it, it was a really strong game from New York. And I mean, they used, you know, their uh, kind of what has given them success all season. Right. They um, they had a great mall that was leading to tries. They had a great mall that was also, you know, gaining them territory, just moving the ball down the field when they were probably a little too far out to actually you know, push a drive a mall over for a try. Um, the penalty try was obviously as a result of a mall as well. Um, but then it was just like the, you know, their incredible kind of like use of width. Um, they were, you know, going back, uh, back and forth across the, uh, East West across the pitch on a number of occasions. Co Nahalo Milner Scudder out wide were like unreal. Um, that Ellis try, um, that was Jack Heighton that found his way out on the wing. And, you know, I already mentioned that they were able to, you know, uh, had a huge overlap that they were able to capitalize on there. A lot of big attacking runs from all of those guys. And, uh, you know, just kind of seemed to be the the two things that we've been talking about with uh, with this team yeah. for a lot of the year, right? It's like they have a dominant mall and, you know, when the uh, the attack gets flowing, it's really, it's really hard to stop, especially when they start using that width. Yeah, and uh, something else that needs to be mentioned is, and it was picked up by others, is that Seattle seemed to be suffering from fatigue as the game went on. So they were probably going for your tactic, Derek, of having the best defense being a massive score to uh, try and come back from. But uh, unfortunately, it just uh, didn't call together. There were a few instances of tries not being scored. Uh, for example, the aforementioned uh, Brad Tucker try that um, was playing the ball off his feet. And then there was... was so close to... It, it was so close, but yeah, his knee was definitely it's, on the It's floor. on the ground. And I mean, I, I'm obviously not a high-level player, but it's like... Uh, or anything. It's just like, man, like it's... Like you obviously want to do that quickly, but it's just like... How, like how much do you have to lift your knee off the ground to just kind yeah. of in order to do it, man, that was so close. I think he was just, it looked to me like he was just trying to get that down like really, really quickly. Yeah. I mean, he didn't have a lot of time, but man, like, no, just, yeah, just, uh, just, just a millimeter. second or two longer. Yeah. Could have yeah, like, really helped. That's the, uh, like, it's crazy that that's like, cause that could have been a big turn. Like if he scores that try, that game's still in reach in the final 10 minutes, but it's, you know, just game of millimeters, really. Yeah. And then there's also, um, in the reverse of fortunes, uh, Tuoloma was within inches of scoring himself, but then uh, Travis Larson was able to uh, get a turnover at the breakdown and then just turn it around and leaving. Um, eventually, it ended up being a penalty, which allowed Emery to 
stretch of the lead. But, you know, it's these things of how, you know, small decisions can therefore have a, like, a massive impact on this game. And, you know, it, and it was a really interesting game to watch. It was, you know, tense, obviously, because it's a final. But when you know the history of Seattle and how they've been able to uh, snap victory from the jaws of defeat and New York have during the season um, been able to hold a lead before um, having like a lapse in like defense or a lapse in concentration and then losing that lead, which is why they were uh, third in the Eastern conference going into all of this. So, you know, it's good to see that New York closing out, uh, you know, disappointment for Seattle, but I also think at this early in MLR's uh, history, having one team win uh, three of the four MLR championships could kind of put a bit of a stink on it all. But that's just me. As in, it's a little weird, but I mean, if a team's good, a team's good. Like it's. Yeah, but then again, it's like, you know how. Okay, are you a fan of the um, New England Patriots? I hate them. Exactly. And why do you hate them? Because Tom Brady beat the Colts a lot and it made me mad. No, oh, oh, but he, you know, but that means they're a successful team and oh, you know, they, they keep are. winning. And they... so here's, the, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing I hate the Patriots and I hate Tom Brady. I will watch every single Super Bowl that they play in and cheer against them. Because, mm-hmm. okay, at the end of the day, no matter what, at the end, of, so that's the one thing that's kind of funny with this league. At the end of the day, right sports is about stories yeah right and stories like on this day you need your heroes say andy ellis for example going out on top right it's like you you need your heroes but the best stories you also need your villains right Mm. tom brady if you're a patriots fan love him right yeah to every other nfl fan that dude is the biggest villain. The mm. Patriots spy gate, deflate gate. They mm. cheat all the time. They mm. have the best player. If there's every single reason under the sun to hate the New England Patriots. And yeah. that's what made them the most compelling team to watch yeah. for like two decades. Yeah. And like, I think like that's the one thing going into this. So like, I mean, with your saying if Seattle won, I mean like that it's different. Obviously they didn't, so they're not, but I think like that's the one thing like with this league, I think, in all honesty, if like so there's so many good things happening with this league right now, the one thing that the league is kind of missing is a team everyone hates or a player that everyone kind of not hates, but loves to hate. Like the same way that like Patriots fans are like rider. The Patriots fans are honestly some of the best fans in sports. They love that team. Right. But for everybody else, you watch the Patriots because you hate them. The stories need villains to sell it. And it's like, does, does the MLR have that villain to sell it? And I mean, maybe, I mean, who knows? Maybe I think some people kind of hate on LA and Austin a lot, obviously. And, you know, obviously as would have transpired lately, perhaps there's a good reason to hate on them a lot and stuff. But like, you know, it's like, it would be awesome if like the MLR had a Tom Brady type character where it's like the guys, if you're, if he's on your team, you love him. Yeah, right? but everybody else is like when it comes to oh he's playing in the in the he's playing for the shield in the final and it's like if you cheer if you are a fan of the team you're cheering for them all the other 12 fan bases are cheering against your team 
Like that is something that because like, that's what that's what Tom that's what Tom Brady was. Right. Well, well this is the thing about Tom Brady. Well, first of all, I think there's a uh, big support for him now in Tampa Bay, but uh, no, that may I just still be hate true. him. I hate Tampa Bay now too. By proxy, <laughs> they all they all suck. Tom Brady's mm. the worst person. Mm. He's not the worst person in existence, I'm sure, but he's I don't like him. All right, fair. Sure. Well, I think the idea that I was getting at is that I think it's a bit too early in MLR's history to start having a dynasty team that just, uh, you know, if they make the final, that you pretty much like money's on them to take the. What I mean, uh, like, I was going to say take the gold, but more like take the. I mean, shield. Is yeah, more accurate. I guess. I guess, like, but even that, I guess, Seattle didn't even technically make the playoffs this year. Until exactly. Like, that 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 would be the most annoying thing. As in. You're not even meant to be here, but yeah, yet, yeah, here yeah, you are. Maybe that's a reason to hate them, right? Um, but I think, uh, I guess one thing too, it's like obviously we're the Canadian rugby podcast, so shall we segue to talking about some of the Canadian performances in this game? I suppose we should. I mean, we had a Canadian starter for each side. So for uh, Seattle, it was Travis Larson, and for New York, it was Andrew Coe. Uh, you know, a bit of a... Yeah, you know, quieter performance than say the Eastern Conference final. Um, oh, but, you know, a, a little bit quieter than his man of the match performance. Yeah, you know, just a little bit. I mean, yeah. Uh, All right, that's you know, he was able to get in and amongst the players. He had like a few good runs. And Larson, a guy who like at the start of the season was like always on the bench or even if that, and struggling to like break through, and then mm. maybe do the injuries or so. He's really been able to like come into his own and. Yeah. Uh, um, then we have the guys that were on the bench for both teams. We had uh, Quinn Nawari uh, for New York and we had Reed Watkins. And Watkins, again, is a guy who seems to be establishing himself as the um, finisher for Seattle. I mean, and, you know, he's been very versatile in the like across the backs because he's sometimes been coming on for a winger when Smith is still playing. Sometimes he's um, replacing a winger and, you know, there's a bit of move around as he moves um, into the scrum half position. And when he came on the, at like the 60 minute mark, he definitely turned the favor back towards Seattle. I mean, it was his inclusion that allowed Matenga to able to get to the try, which gave uh, Seattle another seven points with uh, our team's conversion. And and then it, but it was just a case of, you know, you can be a good player, but if the other team has a lot of good players, then it doesn't so much even itself out yeah. as if it's still against you in that regard. I mean, um, and Andy Ellis, you know, he was... Um, off in the 59th minute and then back on in the 68th minute because of the HIA, I believe, to Conor McManus. And, you know, uh, wait, so as well. And when you're up against Andy Ellis, as was signified by the end of the game with Ellis coming around to like force the knock on on Watkins, it's like, uh, you know, that experience holding out in the end. And, you know, Watkins um, was signed for the Arrows in 2021 as um, cover whilst. Uh, the Canadians were on international duty. He didn't um, have the opportunity to play for the Arrows, but then he's been signed by Seattle. And, you know, for a, you know, what we could properly regard as his, like, rookie season, you know, he's done incredibly well. And, um, and unfortunately, I can't 
there's not really much to say about Nawali because he was only involved in the final five minutes as well. But, you know, Nawali has been with his team now for like two seasons. He's, you know, established amongst the uh, New York faithful. And yeah, it's uh, good to see him. Obviously, I would have preferred him to have like a bit more time. But when you're up against Naholo for that position, <laughs> I can understand why. Uh, Nawali, however, will be... Um, available for selection for the uh, Rugby Canada men's 15s games uh, in the next couple of weeks. So, you know, may not have seen as much as we could have for New York, but definitely hoping he'll have uh, more of a chance in the uh, national outfit. Yeah, what a, what a back line in, uh, in New York. Eh? Oh, yeah. Ellis, Hyten, Emery, Fuatai, Cole, Nahalo, and Milner-Scudder. That's a legendary MLR back line. And uh, I mean, I, I think... Yeah, when you have Quinn Nawadi, who has clearly shown that he can play not only in the MLR, but also test level. Um, and as I mentioned last week on the pod, I was like, I think he should start for Canada during these games um, that are coming up this week. And um, like if that if Nawadi's coming off your bench, like you you just it's an that's an embarrassment of riches that New York has. Yeah. Obviously, a, a major contributing factor to why they. Uh, why they won the shield um but uh yeah so obviously as you kind of said nawadi a little bit uh nawadi came on final five minutes so not not as loud of the game as uh, some of the other canadians but um it looked like uh the new york players were kind of still taking some social media pics after they won because obviously um you party after you win um nawadi in the kit at like the bars and stuff that's a that looks that's an A plus move. That's the the true team player. That's the kind of guy that um, I would personally want on my team. Um, so glad uh, glad to see him contributing in the most important ways um, for this championship, especially during the post match. Um, as you said, Cole, I thought Cole was great in this game. Tons of line break, uh, tons of line breaks, some big carries. Uh, made a couple of uh, really key tackles. Um, really kind of you know shut down. Uh, the the wingers for Seattle and didn't they didn't really have much attack on the edge I mean obviously they didn't have too much attack as we mentioned earlier New York had the lion's share of possession but uh I thought Cole throughout the game was was brilliant he made those defensive plays when he was called upon had some huge runs and uh a big contributor once again um Larson uh was I thought he was great I mean you you mentioned his uh his breakdown steals um, he had, you know, he was doing some great work there. He also, you know, was, was instrumental in setting up Matenga's try in the second half. He kind of, he had a nice run, did well to like protect the ball too, and get a nice little offload off. Um, obviously too, that Watkins was part of that buildup. And as you kind of mentioned, he was just a massive spark for Seattle to kind of, you know, New York looked like they were in complete control of that game until like Watkins came on and it was it was Watkins that kind of seemed to uh, inject some some signs of life into the team. So um, that was a that was a good performance from him. Obviously, uh, you know, perhaps coming on a too little, too late, and um, you know, they, he he was part of the the build up to Tucker's non try as well. So um, I think all four all four Canadians man had a had a pretty had a pretty strong showing um, during this uh, during this game. So um, you know, things you. Uh, you you love to see as a, as a Canadian rugby fan, and um, it's uh you know it, it um it'll be it's I'm looking forward to seeing uh Nawadi continuing uh, to play for Canada in the next couple of weeks, and uh, 
Cole looking forward to whenever he decides to throw on that Canadian Jersey um, for whatever, whichever team he decides to do that for in, in the, uh, in the future. Cause um, he's listed as uh, injured or unavailable. So obviously not injured, but unavailable for whichever reason. So hopefully, uh, hopefully that means he'll, he'll be back at some point though. Cause he had a phenomenal season. He was um, throughout this entire, uh, entire year. Right. So um I was going to say too, the guy I totally forgot to even mention too with that that backline too is Ed Fido. Um, yeah. So I mean, like, yeah, yeah. what's well, crazy that that backline yeah. the the backline in uh, New York's nuts uh, when you kind of break it down, right? So he had all those tries too, but it was like Fido and Co kind of battling for uh, the try scoring lead on that team all year, right? Playing in the same position and stuff. So it's, um, you know, I thought Co had a great year, and man, and uh, hopefully he's uh, we'll see him in a Canada jersey soon enough, but. Yeah, just, uh, you know, great showing all around from the boys. And uh, congrats to Rugby New York on mm-hmm. uh, winning the Shield. And I guess, uh, so any thoughts? Because this is obviously the fourth final that the league has had. Five years, but, you know, fourth final. Yeah, yeah. Um, any thoughts on, like, just the broadcast, the presentation of it? Um you know, everything that, uh, like, everything about the, the final that you got to consume as a product watching this? Yeah, I thought it was an incredibly well-presented product. Um, it obviously helps that you're in a stadium that is designed to have um, high-definition cameras in there and all those angles. And obviously the crossover from uh, soccer level to rugby level is very similar. Um, the TMO um, replay cameras I thought were fantastic as well, showing like multiple options and the communication between the referee and the TMO was also very clear as well. Um, Speaking of that, um, the whole refereeing uh, team did a fantastic job. Nothing, you know, too egregious or beyond the... uh, I did see uh, a deliberate knock-on that seemed to go... That's, I was going to say, that's one of the great things about the game, though. It's like we're not talking about the refs in this game. Yeah, exactly. That was... And that is a good. I did. I did see what I thought was a very egregious knock on at the time, but then I went back and watched it again, and I was like, "Oh no, wrong player." So, oh. but then again, obviously, if you're right there on the pitch and you have a much clearer view than I do, watching on the screen thousands of yeah. miles away, maybe you know more about it than I do. But yeah, um, probably. Yeah, fa- fantastic job by all the um, everyone involved. Um, and, you know, uh, excellent presentation as well. You know, I'm still not, you know, it, maybe it's a European thing in me, but I don't like the shield being given to the team owner first. Oh, and- that's, a, that's a Canadian thing too, man. Stanley Cup, as you saw, straight to Gabriel Landeskog. It's uh, this past weekend. Yeah, I don't, the NFL, MLB, NBA, it's always to the owner first. It's weird. The only thing I would say that they could do is um, when they're doing like a present, if they were to do like a medal presentation as well, as in like every winner, every winner from the team that won. So every player from the team that won gets a medal saying they're the MLR champions. And then it's the team owner that gives the shield to the captain and then the captain lifts it. Yeah. Then I'd be okay with it. But yeah, it's just, it's weird, but you know, it, but you know, different cultures, different strokes for different folks. Ultimately, it went down really well. Um, you know, great reception, and obviously, because um, you know, you could only sell out like the lower bowl of one side of 
the Red yep. Bull Arena, you know, it's great and close to the fans as well. So, so yeah, it just seemed, yeah, it seemed like a really good uh, game, really good presentation. And yeah, but something I should mention is that the MLR Shield was not the only piece of silverware or the only thing awarded mm. at this game. And that is because we had the winner of the S. Marcus Callaway Community Impact Award was also awarded at halftime. And it was awarded to the Toronto Arrows' very own Andrew Quatrin. Uh, so Andrew Quatrin was on the list of the nominees for the award. And as a result of winning it, Quatrin was presented with not only the commemorative trophy, which looked to be made out of uh, glass, but I'm sure Andrew can confirm that for us, he also received a $5,000 donation to Optimism Place, which is um, his nonprofit of choice. And um, so a little bit of information we have about that. Optimism House, uh, Quattrin has been helping run donation drives for Optimism Place for the last seven years. It's a Stratford, Ontario-based emergency shelter for women who are experiencing violence. The organization provides basic needs such as food, toiletries, clothing, diapers, and baby formula free of charge and offers an array of services and supports to women in need. So $5,000 have been donated to them on behalf of Andrew. And, you know, Andrew, congratulations. Um, Many people have said that you've uh, deserved this award. And, yeah, obviously, um, great leadership on and off the field. Um, both with the arrows and with optimism place and um, your team, uh, I believe Oshawa Vikings as well. And yeah, uh, and, and when Andrew was being interviewed, um, he talked about Marcus Callaway. Obviously, they must have um, had some interactions when the arrows were down in Atlanta last year. And yeah, you know, it's a great, um, great award to carry on. Um, Marcus Callaway's legacy. Yeah, it's uh, just some, just like a feel-good factor. As it's, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. It's a, you know, it's great to see. I mean, that's obviously you know a pretty historic award to be given out to Andrew Quatrin, obviously being the, the first ever winner for it. Um, yeah, and I think uh, him and Rumball were at the Oshawa Vikings as they went to the uh, the mixed ability um, that mixed ability event in a tournament in Ireland. And uh, they were part of like the Jersey presentation, Jersey ceremony for that. And then the Oshawa Vikings like kicked ass at that tournament too. Yeah, they finished, they uh, got to the final, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, finished runners up. But if yeah. anyone's, uh, those games are actually on uh, YouTube. And oh, I recommend giving them a watch because uh, that last try, um, yeah, that was just absolutely great scenes to watch. But again, congratulations to Andrew and congratulations to New York on winning your respective trophies. Um, now, unfortunately, there hasn't been a lot of other rugby news happening or should I say rugby games because we're currently in the uh, in-between of the season's ending and the international window about to start. But we do have an update from Rugby Canada's men's 15s head coach, Kingsley Jones, who put out a video answering a few questions on how the progress is going. So first thing to note is that the test between Belgium and Spain, these will be the first test on home soil since 2019. Uh, and, you know, obviously COVID has delayed, um, delayed or ruined a lot of plans. For example, the tests against England that had to take place at Twickenham 
was originally meant to be held in Toronto, which uh, still hurts. But, um, you know, these are the situations we've um, just had to be in, had to deal with, unfortunately, because of the restrictions that were in place. Uh, Jones also goes on to mention, like, there's been squad selection strengths because they've been able to go to more MLR games this year. They, uh, I think he said there's about now 60 Canadians playing in MLR at the moment. He also mentioned the issues. For example, there's a lot of injuries and a lot of players have said they're unavailable for selection for these uh, summer tests which is a shame, but, you know, you make do with what you have. Um, he also mentioned uh, as well that there's been a focus on younger players coming into the squad, as well as uh, a few guys that really stood out from the Canada West selects who also were in the Pacific Pride at the Coast to Coast Cup and how there's been more opportunities for players to show themselves. He was also talking about um, they've got their eyes on Canadians who are overseas and mentioned there's uh, it's in like one or two players in New Zealand who yeah. are eligible for... Go get uh, them. Yeah. <laughs> go, like, uh, go get them. Is one of them called Sam Malcolm by any chance? But uh, It doesn't matter what their name is. It's like, if go go get them then. Yeah, like where... yeah go get them. If, if, if they're um, available to play, then absolutely. Um, yeah, if they... Yeah. Come along, cross the... Pacific, cross the Atlantic, whichever way you come around, just uh, just end up wearing the uh, red of the yeah, blue. That's cool that there's Canadian eligible guys. Let's get, yeah, get them to play for Canada. Well, that would be that would be outstanding. Um, he also mentioned about um, how at the moment it's like we have the sevens, we have the fifteens, we also have the Pacific Pride working together. Interestingly, Jones does mention that because they have a few sevens players. Um, eligible for inclusion in the 15s uh, games for the summer that he doesn't want to have players going back and forth, which is, um, you know, relates back to what you said, Derek, about, you know, if you want to play sevens, play sevens. If you want to play 15s, play 15s. But he also was mentioning that the counterpoint of, you know, 2020, no international rugby going on, 2021, uh, limited. We've now just been able to have a, well, pretty much an entire uh, Sevens uh, World Series happening. Obviously, there were more delays than that because the LA uh, Sevens are scheduled to be happening in August just before the Sevens World Cup. So, still ongoing issues, unfortunately. But, you know, for the time being, if um, the Sevens players do want to, take part in 15s he's clearly um willing to let them come into the fold on a temporary basis but it does seem as though that um well for the men's side at least he wants to be focusing on 15s and he also mentioned how the pacific pride has you know about 25 guys in a full-time training environment which is obviously helping them and helping them get considered for not only uh, Canadian selection, but also for inclusion in uh, MLR teams or even possibly uh, teams overseas. And then he moves forward to the mindset for 2027 qualifying and how they've said that the focus needs to be put onto facing teams that are around the same area that Canada are in the uh, world rankings. And he does make a good point of like the last 10 
matches that Canada have faced have included um, high-ranking teams such as not only Wales and England, but back to the World Cup like Italy, um, New Zealand, South Africa. And, you know, it's just not a nice feeling to be continually losing these games. And then, obviously, don't need to get into the whole... World Cup qualifying fiasco. It's, it's also not fun to continuously lose to the United States and Chile either. Well, I mean, they they oh they did bring up beating um, United mm. States, so of course yeah. we have to remember that. But uh, yeah, obviously the lo- when the losses are greater than the victories, it's not yeah, which ended not the great mindset. But so obviously that moving the focus towards thinking on teams like Belgium. Originally, the Spain match was going to be against the French Barbarians and would therefore have been uncapped, but now they have a real test, I should say, of facing Spain, who I believe are currently ranked 14th. And, you know, Spain probably a bit bitter uh, now that they have been confirmed that they are disqualified from the Rugby World Cup, which is a shame, but, you know... Rules are rules, and unfortunately, well, what world rugby says goes, which is make of that what you will. <laughs> um, but, you know, then there's focus of um, when it comes to, like, 2027 qualifying. He was very um, particular with his words. He only mentioned, like, the next two years, so 22 and 23. Again, make of that what you will. But it does seem that the focus needs to be on the younger players coming up through the squad to have players that can not only compete at 2027, but also at 2031 as well. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, young guys in the squad. I think um, Kingsley Jones was uh, watching our uh, episode last week and listening to you, Derek, of like picking all the young guys um, coming into the squad, so yeah, we it may be a case of that when the squad is announced for um, the match against Belgium, we will be seeing a lot of younger guys starting. Although he did say that there's going to be reliance on the steady hand of our captains of Ben Lesage and Lucas Rumble as well. So you know, it should be yeah. Well, we'll probably get the squad announcement if not on Canada Day, which would be very apropos uh, the day before and. Yeah, so uh, what did you make of the video, Derek? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was fine. It was, uh, you know, pretty standard Kingsley Jones video, really. Um, you know, uh, I like that he's, you know, mentioning, um, you know, playing some of the younger guys and stuff. And uh, um, so, I mean, I, I hope I hope he follows through with that and uh, gets uh, some significant playing time to some of those younger guys. Um, he mentioned Jack McRogers specifically, so I'm uh, I'm really hoping that um, Kingsley Jones kind of backs up those statements and uh, gives him a significant amount of playing time, as well as a handful of the other younger players. You know, as you kind of mentioned, it's like uh, as we kind of we mentioned, like I mean, he he's brought up a lot of the same points that he has brought up, and I mean, um, there's you know, there's obviously things to, uh, to certainly agree with them on. It's like yeah, like they they need more games, they need more playing time, and. Um, yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, obviously, you know, when he's when he's counting down like the most recent matches that includes a rugby World Cup, which is why you're playing the All Blacks South Africa um, in, in those uh, amongst those opponents. But uh, but yeah, like it's, uh, you know, Spain, Belgium seems to be, unfortunately, the Canada's 
kind of ballpark right now, you know, as far as the opposition is, is concerned. And um, so, I mean, it's, it'll be good to this, to, it'll, it'll be a good for the game. And I mean, um, as you know, it's all about kind of the thing. The only thing that it's like, I don't, I don't really like that. He said in it is I, I don't like him bringing up that game against the USA where they won. No, um, I'm not a fan. Like I'm not a personally a fan of that because it's like one, like you, you beat them in the first leg of a two leg series that you lost. Yeah. Right. So it's, 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 it's whatever, right? Like, it's, yeah. um, you couldn't close that out. And, uh, you know, you're out of the World Cup a couple of, uh, couple of weeks later after losing to Chile, too, right? And you beat Chile in the first game, too. But that game's never going to get brought up because Canada was yeah. terrible in that game. Canada yeah. was losing that game up until the final kick. And well, then... yeah, and it's like, yeah, but they won, right? But that game's yeah. never going to get brought up, right? No. Th- that USA game was probably the best game they've played under Kingsley Jones, which yeah. I think is probably why it gets brought up a little bit more because it's a probably a little bit of a sign of what the potential is, but it's like you can you got to pull that off more than once, right? You can't yeah. dwell on that. Um, I like, right? Like, I mean, I like that he's talking about like you know playing the younger guys, looking to the future, and that's why I don't necessarily like bringing up that game because it just feels like a, a like look what we what we've done in the past has worked. Mm-hmm. And the reality yeah. is what we've done in the past has not worked. Yeah. Right. So because you can uh, turn around and say, oh, in the past, we qualified for the World Cup. Yeah. And it's like times have changed. Not now, but we yeah. did. Yeah. So we can do it again. We won't, but we did. So we can. Exactly. We won't, but we can. But we exactly. Won't. It's like, it's like, you know, t- times, times have changed, right? Like the, uh, yeah. you know, it's, you know, th- there was like, it's just like, I mean, we've, we've talked at length about kind of the fall of, rugby canada the men's national team on this podcast and like this game against um belgium they play belgium first yeah belgium yeah against belgium right is like the first step into trying to climb back up right um you know you're, you got to build towards the world cup qualifying um tournaments for the the next world cup you have to start you know, building to like climb back up the world rankings to return to the point where, you know, like beating the United States or somebody is like, you know, common occurrence again, or at least, yeah. you know, maybe drag it back up to like 50, 50, maybe not necessarily the dominant level that it was like 15, 20 years ago, but maybe drag it back up to like, you know, 50, 50. Cause I mean, the, the reality, too, is that that win against the United States ended, what, a, what was the streak? Six, seven years? Yeah. Uh, I think it was like, yeah, 2013. Yeah, it was like 14 games or something, right? Um, for like how, how long, you know, between beating the United States, right? So, um, you know, it's, it's obviously there's, there's work to be done. And uh, like I, I, I do, I, I got to admit that I, like I do really like the idea of, being like yeah play play all those young guys and in that video it made it sound like that that is something that he's gonna try to do so i mean if if he follows through with that and starts playing some of the younger players and stuff but um then 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 that'll be good because you know you need something to like you got to start building towards towards next year or toward not so much next year but like the future right and you know sitting back and kind of like dwell it's you know, dwelling on like past victories that didn't amount to much in the long run anyways. I don't 
I don't know if that is necessarily the right way to go about it, but um, you yeah. know, in general, um, he he does. I mean, he does highlight some of the uh, some of the positive things too. Like, it's nice to see the Pacific Pride back and being able to contribute to players that are on the national team. Um, right. It's that's what it should be. It's the national develop. It's a development program for the national team. Right. Um, should be able to contribute players to it. Um, and you know, it's nice to see that there's, there's guys that are playing in MLR that, you know, uh, like Jack McRogers specifically that are playing in MLR are getting a lot better by playing in MLR and are earning spots on the team through their play in MLR. Right. And there's, there's obviously a lot of MLR guys on this roster. And I mean, who knows what the situation is with all the guys based in Europe. He kind of vaguely addressed that during this, this statement, but you know, if you got to rely on MLR, it's nice to have some options and stuff. And I mean, we highlighted a handful of players earlier just in the championship final that aren't part of his roster for these two games. Yeah. Right. So it, it's nice to have, uh, you know, it's nice to have some options and stuff, but I mean, ultimately like, hopefully we, I, I, I think my, my big thing um, for this going into this series is look, what I'm looking for, like watching this game as a fan. And it's like, to be honest, like I don't really care if Canada wins or loses. Right. Because like, as far as like the result goes, but I was like, I want to see, like, I want to just start seeing signs that the team is like moving forward and like progressing, right? Like young players showing, um, you know, some signs of, you know, young players showing some signs of, you know, brilliance or signs that they can compete in, uh, you know, at the test level, yeah. um, you know, maybe, you know, like a little bit of a shift in attack or a shift in defensive philosophies and stuff, as opposed to like, you know, that video that Squidge put out, what, four years ago, that was just Canada basically running in straight lines and, you know, hasn't yeah. seemed to necessarily change a whole lot over the years or whatever. Right. Yeah. And um, like, I so, mean, yeah, so you need changes on that and yeah. everything. So, I mean, that's kind of what I'm looking for. It's like the scoreboard, to me, I, I feel like they're going into this weekend, the scoreboard secondary to uh, showing like signs of improvement, yeah. signs of moving forward, and hopefully a handful of guys step up. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying like now's the time to just throw it to the wall and just have a little bit of fun. Just try something. And if it doesn't work out, you can always revert back to running in straight lines if it gets you the points needed. Um, the one thing I will... Um, hopefully look forward to is Michael Smith not getting sent off against Belgium this time round, which would be no, uh, I mean, nice. But uh, that, that would be nice. But I mean, like that that's Michael Smith though, is the exact type of guy that should be like, yo, he, I honestly, like, he should play 80, like, just be like, just yeah. play him, play him until like, like you can't play him. Like yeah. guys like, you know, like get as it was King of Jones was talking about getting guys experience. And it's like, yeah like start getting like the next generation of guys and just be like i mean like you know like no like there's obviously some older players and stuff still on the team which i mean is needed for like leadership purposes and you know obviously obviously you're still going to try to win the game so you need some of those older guys um but it's like yeah like what's what's wrong with like playing like a front row of like i know i know this wasn't my front row when i named the team when I tried to name my yeah, yeah. team last week, but what's wrong with starting a front row of Liam Murray, Jack McRogers and Tyler Rowland? 
just to be like, go, yeah. let's like, yeah. like, let's here, guys, test yeah. rugby, go, yeah. like you, there's nothing because it's like, yeah, because you'd rather do this now than do it in like yeah. two or three years time when you're trying to qualify. Exactly. Like yeah. if I, if I'm like, and even at that, like if rugby Canada, man, like let's just start like booking test masters. Just be like, yeah. hey, whoever whoever wants to play. Yeah. Whoever's willing, like, and even like, yeah, whoever's willing to play and just be like, all right, like we just, just start because it's like this isn't like qualifying, right? No. When's the when's the actual World Cup qualifying gonna start? Like two years from now, two, three years from now? Uh World Cup. Yeah. Well, I think that like, the initial phases of qualifying, because because it's rugby America's North have to do a whole yeah. level of qualifying prior to the US versus Canada or whatever it's going to be. So I think it does start uh, the summer after the World Cup. So it will be yeah, like, so I mean, yeah. you, you got, so you got like at least two years probably. Yeah. Oh, that happens. Right. Just try to get some tests as King, like as Kingsley Jones mentioned, like, yeah, try to get, get some guys game time, like try to get, you know, get some test matches in or um, like, which is going to be great, but also like, you know, like there, there's some vets that are like on this roster, which I mean, like deserve to be on the roster. There's some of the, they're the best players in Canada, but it's also like maybe have them come off the bench in the reserves instead. Mm. Right. Yeah. And just be like, yeah, like let the, let the kids, let the kids play and uh, you know, see, as you kind of said, it's like throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks, man. Like try, mm. try guys at different positions that they haven't played, like do something like do any, anything that, can kind of help and try to figure out like combinations that work, try to figure out, you know, what attacking, like, you know, that's even the other thing too. It's like, you can try like a couple different, like attacking or defensive structures too. Yeah. Like test out different stuff. Right. Cause it's like you have, I think right now you have a tiny window of time where you have nothing to lose. Yeah. Like there's, there's nothing, there's nothing to lose right now. Yeah, if you if you know what I mean, if you lose to Belgium or you lose to Spain, it's like yeah. like just learn something from the game. Yeah, like, you know maybe maybe you know you can lose to to Belgium, but have you know a guy in his first cap blow your mind, mm-hmm. right? That game's a win if that happens, right? Yeah. You can you can lose to Spain, but realize but score a try off a new set piece play that you never tried yeah. before. That game's a win. Yeah, that's right. the thing. You gotta, you gotta try, try something new. Yeah, this is the time to try stuff. Get creative. Like, do things. That yeah. You don't think it'll work? Just be like, yeah. Yeah. Like, and for all the players that are playing too, like, just honestly, like, just have fun. Yeah. It's like play. Like, you got nothing to lose. You're good at rugby. We know you're good at rugby. The results haven't necessarily gone your way, but like, just go out and have fun. It's yeah. Rugby. Have fun. So if you aren't in Halifax and can't get tickets to this game against Belgium this weekend and you're wanting to watch the game, I can reveal that Rugby Canada will make Rugby Canada will be making an announcement this Wednesday on broadcasters and how you can watch. But that will be by the time this episode's out and hopefully we'll be able to share it with you on social media. And you can find us across all social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at LaRouge Rugby. If you like listening to this episode, you can do so with our previous episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor FM. 
If you like watching this podcast and you want to see more videos, including some interviews we had from post-game players, you can do so on our YouTube channel, again, at LaRouge Rugby. Derek, where can the people find you? I'm uh, at Reset the Jet across all social media platforms, and uh, I hope everybody enjoys their Canada Day long weekend. Um, enjoy whatever festivities and you decide to take part in on the Friday, and then enjoy uh, Canada, Belgium on uh, the Saturday. And you can find me across social media, but mainly on Twitter and Instagram at Hardman, spelled H4RDMAN. And to our friends south at the border, by the time we're recording our next podcast, it will be Independence Day. So hope you guys enjoy your long weekend as well. And it seems to be a long weekend both sides of the border, as on Friday, yours on Monday. I always forget about that, American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're very quiet about it. Oops, yeah, it's, it's, it's my mind all the time. Well, Derek, thanks for joining me for another episode of the Rouge Rugby Podcast. And thank you all for joining us to hear us speak about Canadian rugby. We hope you can join us again next time.